partly the reason why me and my husband got married on this day. He is also the patron saint of physicians, bachelors, surgeons, students, and for some reason, butchers. So, happy feast day of St. Luke. <laughs> he is also the, uh, considered the author of the Gospel of Luke, as well as the book of Acts. And thanks to Luke, we have shepherds at Christmas, we have Jesus in the manger, we have the Magnificat, the Ascension, Pentecost, and it is Luke who has introduced us to Martha and Mary, the Good Samaritan, and the Prodigal Son. Thank God for St. Luke, the evangelist and beloved physician. From age 17 to 28, I always had a job. I worked throughout college, and the Monday after my graduation, my part-time job switched to full-time. But in 2008, the firm I was working for closed its U.S. offices, and for the first time in my adult life, I was unemployed. My husband was in college at the time, and not knowing what to do with myself, I decided to audit one of his classes. He was attending UCLA as a global studies major and was finishing up a film and television minor. When he said he was taking a screenwriting class, I thought, where better learn screenwriting than UCLA? So I tagged along with him. A big portion of that class is dedicated to understanding the three-act structure, used in films and literature time and time again. A beginning, a middle, and an end. A formula deceptively hard to master, even though it is seemingly simple. There's an inciting incident that disrupts the normal world, which leads to a point of no return. Then there's a hero's journey often, and it, it fills up act two, followed, hopefully, by a satisfying conclusion and a return to a normal world that is forever changed. And I would argue that today's gospel is, in fact, the third act of a three-act narrative carefully crafted by Luke the Evangelist. Let me explain. The first act in this Lucan epic begins in chapter 3, with Jesus' baptism by John. Here we get that famous line of foreshadowing before Jesus shows up when John tells the crowd, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When John then baptizes Jesus, it is the end of Act 1, the point of no return. The hero's journey has begun. And so, in the beginning of chapter 4, we move into the second act. Luke writes, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. This is classic Act 2 material. The hero has to prove himself. And finally, we reach the third act, the gospel we heard today. The third act is a return to the normal world, but the world will never be the same because the hero has changed everything. It's one of those great third acts that ends at the beginning of something new. Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. In each of these three parts, the Holy Spirit is the thread throughout the story, culminating in a flashback from Isaiah, where Jesus explains what he will do. Proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This three-part story concludes with Jesus explaining what he, his followers, and his church will do. Bring release, healing, freedom, and justice.
As the beloved physician, I suspect that this must have struck a very specific chord for Luke. I was a young child during the darkest days of the HIV AIDS crisis. And even though I was too young to really understand it, it is part of a communal heartbreak I experience as a member of the LGBT community. For example, every time I am in church and I hear or sing a, something from our hymnal composed by Calvin Hampton, I am all too aware of the music he will ne we will never hear from him because of his death from AIDS in 1994 when he was about the age I am right now. There is a fantastic documentary called 5B that is truthfully very hard for me to watch, but it's a story that I think Luke would have very much appreciated. In the early 80s, when little was known about AIDS, other than you were going to die from it if you got it, there was a nurse named Cliff Morrison at San Francisco General Hospital, and he was called to his boss's office. Cliff was mad, and his boss was too. You see, the hospital, in this hospital, people with AIDS were dying in isolation. Not only that, staff wouldn't bring AIDS patients their food, or change their soiled sheets, or respond when they cried out. Staff would dress in full hazmat suits, and if they had to go into a room, they would avoid any type of touch and minimize their interactions. These patients were dying painful and lonely deaths, and Cliff hated it. So Cliff's boss said, okay, do something about it. And even though many on staff feared these sick patients, a group of fearless nurses led by Cliff enthusiastically volunteered to help. They opened Ward 5B, the first hospital ward ever created for patients with HIV AIDS. Now remember, at the time that this ward opened, there was no treatment, there was no way to test if you had contracted the virus, there was not even a clear understanding of how it was transmitted. These medical professionals knew that there was a real chance they could contract the virus and die. One day, a patient in 5B told Cliff, I just want to feel like I'm being treated like a person. I want people who are not afraid of me. So Cliff gave his team a single task. If we can't save these people, we are going to touch them. Those nurses treated every single dying person in 5B with compassion and love to the very end, over and over, patient and patient again. They held their hands, they fed them, they bathed them, they cared for them, and when no one else even wanted to be in the same room as them. And as they did this, other nurses and doctors in the hospital hired lawyers to protest their practices. Congressmen tried to cut their funding, and insurance companies looked for ways to deny these patients coverage. But those nurses and doctors and volunteers in 5B provided care with unflinching love. They violated rules by sneaking pets in, when and when partners weren't allowed to stay with their loved ones because they weren't technically family, 5B ignored the rules and allowed patients to determine who was family and who wasn't on their hospital intake forms. After a young nurse named Mary McGee accidentally pricked herself with a used needle, infecting herself with HIV, she continued to work in 5B while paying out of pocket for her medical bills so her insurance company wouldn't cut her coverage. She triumphantly fought for over a decade to bring safer needles to hospitals in the United States and is alive and healthy today. For 18 years, travel agent Rita Rocket, what a great name, right? 
hosted a brunch in 5B every Sunday, coaxing patients who would not eat to eat, putting on shows, dancing, and laughing, running fundraisers in the community to help bring money to 5B, helping dying, hated people feel loved. And this is just the smallest sample of the gospel stories from 5B. These stories are gospel stories, godly stories. They are hard and painful, yet so full of the Holy Spirit. These are the stories that scare people, that people want to ban. The Holy Spirit has always been that terrifying for some. But these are the stories we need to share. In today's gospel, Luke shows us that Jesus' ministry on earth, the ministry we are meant to emulate, is a ministry meant to bring release, healing, freedom, and justice. We only need to hear that call to fulfill the mission of the church. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, Jesus says. And so we strive to hear him and proclaim the gospel through words and actions in our own three-act stories following the good work of fearless people before us. It's easy to look at our world and lament, to cry out about the direction we're heading, to make choices from a place of fear, to decry the state of our community. But today, I just can't, because of St. Luke the physician, because of the nurses in 5B, because there's too much good and too many good people for God's kingdom to ever falter because of fear. There's just too much love in this world for me to lose faith. And I hope that today, filled with that radical Holy Spirit that brings release, healing, freedom, and justice, we can all go out in joy to a world we get to help make new. Amen.